Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. Listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the Lennon and McCartney of Bigfoot, the other arguably Harrison and Star, Cliff and Bobo. So, Bobo, another successful Ohio Bigfoot conference is behind us, man. That was one heck of a weekend. That was, man. That was a good weekend for sure. Man, it's busy, though. Busy. Yeah. I- I did, you know what though? It slowed down enough for me where I actually, for the first time ever, got to go see part of a, a talk. I got to see Meldrum's bear talk, bear and Bigfoot talk for about two thirds of it. Mm-hmm. So that was that was cool. Yeah, yeah. So let's back up for a second and and think about it. okay. So Ohio Bigfoot Conference, you know, usually the beginning of May every year. God, I think I've been there five or six years in a row now, and this year's lineup. Um, obviously you and I were there, we did presentations, Dr. Meldrum, as you just mentioned. Um, and, and who else was there this year? John uh, Wilk from Squatch, Massachusetts, talking about the Massachusetts Squatch scene. We had Dr. Russ Jones from West Virginia. He's really knowledgeable. He's a certified naturalist and he knows this Squatch out there. He's the guy that put us on the Squatch spots where we got action in West Virginia when we were filming Finding Bigfoot there. And, yeah. And he, he's you know, an author too. Of course he wrote uh, what is it? Tracking the snow stone man. There was B Mills and Dr. Meldrum. Yeah, B Mills. Uh, she didn't present this year. She was more of the the MC. Yeah, she's great, man. What a, what a quirky woman that woman is. She's she's <laughs> hilarious. I love her. She's wonderful. I thought she was doing a talk on her all those great audio recordings she got. You see, I don't know. I, I don't know if she did a talk or not. My understanding was that she was the MC, but I was stuck at my table the entire time. She but that's how busy it is. That that's the problem with the Ohio Bigfoot conference is that it's so popular. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Ohio, that's, I mean, from what I've seen, that, that draws the most people of any state, you know, from we film finding Bigfoot there, the conferences, it's, it's the squatchiest state for like a crowd of people. Yeah. And you got to hand it to Mark DeWorth, you know, the organizer of this is that, uh, he holds it every year at Salt Fork State Park, a great area for Bigfoot and long history and all that jazz. Most people know about it, but, um, the venue only holds so many people and Mark is content with that. He's not trying to grow and make it bigger and make more money and like do all this stuff. He has his gig. He knows he's going to sell out in 15 or 20 minutes as soon as he puts the tickets on sales. And he knows the capacity and what to expect. And he's content with that. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, it kind of goes against the American sort of capitalist idea of continue to grow, continue to get bigger, make more money, more, 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 more. And Marcos, screw it. I'm happy. These people are cool. They come every year. They love it. Who am I to like push the limits? The only thing I don't like about that whole place, I mean, I love the the countryside. Like it's beautiful. There's a nice lake. The lodge is fun, but the food is terrible at that the cafe with a restaurant. 
<laughs> well, I suppose it depends what you get. I mean, um, you are kind of a foodie, Bobo, to be fair. You do appreciate good cuisine in general. Right, but, junk too, but that stuff's like the oil. They were frying, everything's fried there just about, and they fried it in rent. The oil was dead and changed it since I don't know when. It was like rancid. Oh, uh, well, well, I probably had something different than you. I, I'd kind of stick to the, you know, the, the turkey sandwiches and stuff, you know? Right. And I didn't have any complaints with that. Uh, but then again, last year I, they had the taco bar and I mean that, that now it's my turn, you know, cause you're, you're the foodie kind of guy, but, um, I'm kind of a Mexican food aficionado. Um, it's going to be, uh, uh it's going to be difficult for, um, salt fork to rise to the level of my expectations for Mexican food. Yeah. The, the, what do they have this year like that? Um, that beef dish, that was pretty good. That was like the one thing that I thought was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. I didn't have any problem with that at all. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, you go to Ohio, you don't ask for Mexican food. You know, you ask, ask right. for like something hearty and like Midwestern and like something that's going to stick to your ribs. They got Mexicans there. They can do better. I want them to up their game, Cliff. I'm not standing pat for this because I, <laughs> I love everything else. Everything else there is great. I mean, I like the facilities and the, all the staff is cool. And the, they, have, they have a great gift shop for Bigfoot gifts and Okay, well, escuchen, escuchen, amigos. Uh, Bobo necesita comida más uh, mejor para él. Okay, everybody, get on that. <laughs> now that I got that <laughs> taken care of. Yeah, I, mean, right. I, love salt, I love salt pork. I mean, we were filming there. I got the solo camp, and I heard one of the best screams I ever heard. We got a flat tire. I was driving on a Tyler, and uh, we were right at Mor We didn't know where we were, actually, until right afterwards, but we were at Morgan's Knob. We got a flat tire down at the bottom and right up near the top. There's no, I mean, there's other squatchers around there and stuff. And we did hear other people going around knocking and calling, but we knew it was them. You know, we knew it was people we could tell, but this was absolutely not a human. It was a squatch. Right up this crazy scream, right? We pulled out of, you know, pulled over to the flat, changed the tire. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And then I can't remember. It was that night or the next, probably the next night or something. We were camped. Um, on a remote part of the park that's not open to the public, and we had um, at least two squatches pass on each side of us. They went around us. They were knocking their whole way up the through the. We were in a meadow area that they leave out there for uh, <clears throat> deer to be, you know, not around people and stuff. And we were in that meadow, and the and the squatches went on each side of us doing knocks and little whistles and stuff as they passed us by. Like that night on my birthday when we were camped out in uh, Siskiyou Mountains that time. Mm, right, right. Same kind of deal. Like they, we heard them coming. They kept knocking and whistling as they passed us, and they kept doing it as they were past us further up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I like, well, I like it, that place a lot. I think it's great. Yeah, the habitat in Southeast Ohio is fantastic. You know, you do get a lot of topography, which I, I mean, it's not necessary for Bigfoots, but I do think that um, a varied topography helps them um, because it gives them safe places to hide and nooks and crannies and like canyons and hollows and stuff like that to hide and hang out and it feels safe. But it also uh, increases the, the, the surface area of the, of the ground. Um, so more surface area on which to forage. Uh, a lot of people don't consider that, you know, like Sasquatches live in mountains and hills I mean, sometimes, you know, often. And that gives them actually more foraging area uh, to find food because the surface area is greater if you vary the topography. Oh, yeah. It's like the surface area of Square Mile and Bluff Creek versus Ohio. 
it's got to be probably triple, you know? Well, yeah. And Eastern Ohio though, because the flat area bluff Creek is more because of the, of the Hills and mountains and whatnot. Yeah. It, versus like a plain state, you know? Yeah. Cause if you flatten out, if you take a square mile and flatten it out, it'd be much, much bigger than a square mile. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. I think I was kind of stumbling over my explanation, but you nailed it. I was put it in the working man's tongue cliff. I suppose so. Translate for me. <laughs> yeah, you you can be a, the C three PO to my Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're C three PO. I'm Chewy. Yeah, I'll tell you the odds of that when I calculate them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I wish I yeah, you know, I really wanted to see Russ. And even though I know John Russ Jones when he spoke about the West Virginia thing, I know his was going to be good. I heard it was great. And then um, John, I heard really good feedback on John's presentation. I've hung out with John. I've been to his house. I actually heard a squatch with Mark DeWorth, the Ohio Bigfoot organizer. We both heard like a mini Ohio howl at Wilkes Place in Massachusetts. So I know it's squatchy. And people said his talk was great, even though he was sick as hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had really bad allergies, like debilitating allergies. I don't think I've ever seen John or very few people in my life that sick. I used to get like that, dude. Then when I changed my diet, they went away. Almost, well, I got them again now, but they uh, they went away almost completely compared to I, remember how bad I used to get. My eyes would swell shut. I couldn't breathe. I'd be sneezing for hours on end. My whole nose would be raw, and I'd be dehydrated from sneezing out and so much just stuff coming out of my nose. It was crazy. Now that was diet, or that was allergies, or a combination. No, like the the. Getting rid of like most dairy and cutting way back on sugar, it, my allergies went way almost. They dropped ninety percent. Oh wow! Yeah, hay fever, cat allergies, everything. Well, yeah, you, you really have turned your life around with your diet and all that sort of stuff. I mean, so much so that people think you're sick. Yeah, just in the head. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So um, I understand that Russ Jones spoke about a wide variety of topics, like some of the investigations he'd done. He, he's done a lot of uh, research on game cameras. Um, I know. Well, I, I don't know, but I think he showed some photographs of purported Sasquatches taken on game cams because he asked me for a couple of them and I sent him the ones that I, I could share with him. Um, I don't know if those made it into the presentation or not. I'm really sad I missed his stuff, though, because uh, he's such a smart guy and such an interesting take and lives in such a squatchy area. Um, I'm, I'm always uh, happy to listen to what he has to say when I have a conversation with him. Yeah, me too. I, I, I haven't really got to talk to him that much. Like, you know, it's always been like large social situations with like 20, 30 people around. So I haven't had time to dive in, but I got to, when we were filming in West Virginia, I got to talk to him a little bit more and I, I wanted, I wanted more, you know, I was like, dude, I'm learning from you, man. Keep, keep talking. Yeah. He's a smart guy, smart guy. You know, and then, uh, and then there's the wise guy, Jonathan Wilk, of course. Um, John's great because if, I think he's done more to draw attention to Sasquatches in the Northeast than pretty much anybody else. Um, I mean, Lawrence Museum's up there, and he does a great job. But, you know, John's out there doing this stuff for fun, being loud about Squatchachusetts and stuff, and um, kind of put Massachusetts back on the map as far as Bigfoot sightings go. He did. I know, I know if not the first, one of the very first – uh, Bigfoot reports in a newspaper was out of Massachusetts back in like 1700s, I think. Yeah. 
Yes, I mean, they have a long history. But then I know that they said that you know, the Northeast got deforested. They put farms and they deforested it so much. And there was way less forest there in the 1800s than there is now because when those marginal farms, people quit farming those, you know, lousy farming spots, let them go back to the woods. And so they said they didn't really have any squatch encounters in Massachusetts for maybe 100 years. And then in the 70s and 80s, they started showing up again. And now they're back full on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, John has activity in the same block where he lives. Of course, he has some swampland right there and stuff, so it makes sense. And it really just reinforces this idea that you don't have to go in the middle of these wilderness areas in Colorado or Alberta, Canada or BC or something to to encounter a Sasquatch. They are literally living right under our noses in a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, the reports, I mean, even Connecticut, I mean, Connecticut doesn't get them very much, just in that upper corner where we filmed up there. Yeah. You've been around Connecticut, the fact that I have any at all is pretty, you know, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, I was tasked with uh, the camping segment on Finding Bigfoot when we did an investigation in Connecticut. And uh, I, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I went to Massachusetts to film that um, for at least one of the nights. Oh, down the Bridgewater Triangle is that what they call it? Uh, no, it's was up, uh, you know, John could tell you, it was that reservoir kind of in the middle oh. of the state. Yeah, that one. Clogging or whatever? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think that's it. Yeah, I went up there uh, just because, you know, I was out for a couple of days in Connecticut, but it was it was hard to find land to camp on um, that I, you know, that I thought they would be on, you know, at the time. But th- I heard about some stuff happening up at that reservoir. So I went up there and, it, you know, we didn't get anything. We got some owls and stuff like that. But I at least I saw good viable habitat. But, you know, don't tell anybody who, if you're listening, you know, Cliff actually camped in Massachusetts for one of the nights when he was supposed to be in Connecticut. That was the best part about being on our solos. We didn't. We were constrained by the producers going, "Do you got a filming permit?" We just go wherever we wanted. I don't trespass national parks, whatever. Uh, sure, no, you wouldn't, Bobo. This you would never admit to something like that. I, I respect their authority. Uh, exactly, exactly. Oh yeah, okay. So now uh, you, of course, caught some of Dr. Meldrum's um, presentation. I understand he's looking at bears and Bigfoots and kind of drawing attention to some of the uh, similarities and differences. Uh, what did you take away from his presentation? Well, the one thing that stuck out for me was, for my presentation, when I got there, I was just so nervous that I mixed up a couple things on the Yeti and the Mete and the Zote, you know, the Yeti names up there for the different animals. That's yeah. real similar. And I, I mixed a couple of them up. And then Meldrum goes up there next and gives his talk. It just totally contradicts with the proper information because he did a Yeti thing and part of his. Yeah. <laughs> and no one even noticed. <laughs> well, so that was your takeaway from Meldrum's talk is that he contradicted <laughs> you <laughs> of the- all the gall. Who do you think you are, Meldrum? Meldrum? Exactly. I was ready to go. He's full of shit. He's lying. <laughs> I was, I was serious. I was turning beat red. I was so embarrassed. I expected the whole place to turn around and look at me and just shake their head. And no one said anything. I didn't hear any uh, criticism of your presentation at all. And I would tell you. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to ask people, to, you know, with pitchforks and torches demanding their money back. Hey, <laughs> I just got a bunch of, hey, that was great. That was great. I was like, God, these guys got to raise their expectations a little bit because that was pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know, Bobo. You know what? It, I kind of feel like, like when I talk at the Ohio conference, I've been, we've been there so many times now. And I think, again, I, I really think this is my fifth or sixth year running now. Um, when I go back there, I feel like it's a home game and I can't, I can't do wrong. Like those are my friends out there. They're, they're just 
coming to, Hey, what's Cliff been up to? Let's, let's go listen to him and see what he has to say and think about. So like when you're on, no one's going to criticize what you say or question or anything. They're, they're just there to hang out because we're all friends. Yeah. Then I loosened up a little bit at the end and, um, cracked a few jokes and stuff and they like that. <laughs> so that, if you throw a couple of moneymaker heckles in, that's always a crowd pleaser. <laughs> as long as moneymakers aren't in the crowd. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know that'd be that'd be something. We should get, try to get Moneymaker to come out to Ohio. I think he'd be welcomed out there. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, he'd love like a homecoming, you know, because he he did go to school in Akron and he has gone bigfooting all over the place in Eastern Ohio. It'd be fun to get him out there next year. They love me. They would love him. They would. He'd yeah. be right. He would be one hundred percent right. Well, yeah. he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be all stressed out. He'd be relaxed, just having a good. People would love him because he he wouldn't be trying to. You know, lead an expedition where he had to be right and be the smartest guy and the best squatcher. You know, he'd just be enjoying the interaction and camaraderie and having a good time. Yeah, yeah. I should give we should give him a call and kind of lobby him to do that. That'd be kind of fun. That'd, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, you're saying it's like a home crowd now. Like I actually recognize probably at least half the people. I was like, oh yeah, I know this person. Like because before I'd be like, I don't remember who this is. You know and and now we, you know, filming there what three times in Ohio, I think, and then plus neighboring states, people because it's so close to drive state to state out there. It's only a couple hours that we filmed like Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, stuff like that. We had people show up from Ohio at those places, or there's a lot of people in Ohio from those neighboring states. So mm-hmm. some of those people we've seen like ten times, you know, in the last seven eight years. Oh yeah, you know, and I and I think I've done the Hawking Hills Festival, that one that B Mills puts on down there in Southeast Ohio, two or maybe three times, and a lot of the same customers go down there, so a lot, a lot of repeat visitations, you know. So yeah. like, yeah, the names are I'm really bad at names, but man, I got the faces down. Like those are all my peeps, you know. Right. Exactly. Yeah, which is part of the fun of it all. You know, some people I only see at that gig or, you know, occasionally at these other gigs that are nearby, you know, the Snuffy, the Chainsaw Carver and his wife and everything. And like, I don't see them very often, but I do consider my friends when I get out there, you know, go have a couple yes. beers with some good old friends. And Suzanne and Bernie always give us that gift package with Bernie's awesome bread. And- no kidding, man. The bread and then Suzanne's like meats and cheeses and a six pack of beer. And man, this what a welcoming, lovely set of people, and, which kind of goes with the whole state. You know, yeah, I, I, get, I, I do love it back there. I get a lot of gifts. I'm like, gosh, you know, I'm just like kind of speechless sometimes. I'm like, here's, I, I brought this for you, you know, like these one people, they, they bought me this hat. An explorer kind of, you know, Indiana Jones hat. I was like wearing it, but then, of course, Jen and Lee, our managers, were like, "You look like Josh Gates." Oh, you gotta take it off right away then. I took it off. I was just, I was like, "Why'd you have to ruin it?" I was, I was loving this hat. <laughs> I thought it looked like Indiana Jones. He said, it "Looked like Josh Gates." Like, damn you, curse you. So I took it <laughs> off. But I mean, like now, I mean, I got so many nice. I came in. I mean, Hunter Brito always brings us gifts. You know, the the young squatcher of the future. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, and then Yams, we got Yams to sing, what, four songs this year? He had a brand new song he debuted there. Yeah. A couple classics. Yeah, and of course, that was, that was a big trip for, that was a huge trip for Yams. He, he went out there alone, and, you know, and uh, I think that's the first solo trip like that since his stroke. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and he sounded great, and he was, he was on point, man. When he was playing, it was, it was awesome. Like, people were loving it, because that, that, that was a great way to end the trivia night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't even touch on that yet. I mean, um, well, well, you know, let's back up a minute. Okay. So we got that, uh, the beef stuff for that, the Friday night dinner, which was good. 
you know, I enjoyed it. It wasn't the tacos from the year before that, you know, perhaps slightly lackluster. Uh, Saturday was just packed. I mean, I was out there at nine or eight thirty trying to set up the table and I just, it was already, I was already slammed and they didn't even open the doors till 11 and it didn't, it just really didn't stop. But what a great day seeing so many people and, and, uh, getting support from everybody like that. And, and the, the presentation, I, I always enjoy giving presentations. I enjoyed mine this year, of course, then a few hours down, but then on Saturday night, uh, we decided to do something unusual and you and I hosted Bigfoot pub trivia. Code word drunken Bigfoot trivia. <laughs> to be fair though, I was not drunk. I think well, uh, the, not us, about half the contestants. Well, yeah, yeah. You know what's you know what's funny is uh, my thought was like, okay, you know what? I, I enjoy pub trivia. I enjoy Bigfoot. I enjoy Bigfoot trivia. Let's do this thing, right? You and yeah. I can host it, um, and and they can have some fun doing it. You and I, we didn't make any money on it. We didn't charge for it. But if you wanted to be in the game, um, I, I allowed the people to get a, their teams together. And then each team would give 20 bucks and put it into like a central kitty, like a pot. And then whoever won the trivia would get all that money, you know? Um, and of course I knew that I knew some of the characters that would want to be involved. I knew, you know, Charlie Raymond was going to be there. I knew Tommy Amaron was going to be there. I knew Mark DeWorth was going to be lurking and sulking in some corner somewhere, (laughs) you know? Um, so I I knew all these, these hardcore Bigfoot nerds were going to be in the audience. So we pulled out all the stops. Um, the questions that we asked, I mean, no one got them all right. No one. I'm not even sure I would have got them all right. And said I had resources at my disposal. I knew all of them, but I think three or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I, um, we invented those questions. We, we made up those questions mostly from the top of our heads. So, uh, and of course, Matt Pruitt and Emily Pruitt, um, were on hand to record us for this episode. We're going to be, uh, letting you listen to live Bigfoot trivia in just a short while here. Um, they kind of helped me hone it down while you were resting up on Saturday. We set these questions up so we had five rounds of increasingly more difficult questions. So first round, I considered Bigfoot 101. Then the second round, wasn't that true or false? Is that true or false? I think that was true or false. Yeah, I think so too. And then third round was another hard one. Somewhere in there was a... Um, we named the book and you have to name the author. Right. Yeah. And then the last one, man, I pulled out, it, we, we went crazy and just like, let's think of the hardest questions we can. And we gave it to him. And, um, I think everybody enjoyed it. And, you know, being an elementary school teacher, I figure, you know what? I taught 10 year olds for 180, 180 days a year, a bar full of drunk bigfooters can't be that different. <laughs> and it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. They were uh, they were unruly and disrespectful. It was great, man. I loved it. And they, they and I was disappointed how bad a lot of them suck. Like you guys are supposed to be Bigfoot, like you know, aficionados. You don't know this basic stuff, one hundred and one stuff. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think there was only only three of the ten teams had passing grades. <laughs> well, I, a and then there was like a couple C's. Yeah, at the end, you were pretty ruthless um, ab- about your um, disappointment and the Bigfoot nerds out there. Well, they, a lot of the people there were expecting finding Bigfoot questions, so they said they were ready for those. Yeah. But well, you I know, don't have questions to ask for that. <laughs> no, no, and and you know what? Um, that kind of limits people to just who just watch TV. And really, that was the whole purpose, as far as I'm concerned, of putting that one round in there where uh, we name the book, they name the author. Right. I'm trying to draw attention to the fact that maybe people don't read enough. That was evident. I mean, yeah, that was really evident. They didn't know. 
you, everyone should read at least half. Should have read at least half of those books by now. Yeah, well, I would think so. But you know, to be fair, Bubba, you are very well read. Um, I don't think pr- people probably appreciate that about you, about how well read you are in the in not only Bigfoot um, literature, but in just generally, you're a very well read individual. Uh, so for us, you know, we'd say, yeah, of course you should read, you know, Barbara Wasson's Sasquatch Apparitions. Of course you should read that. Like, yo, you haven't read Meldrum's book? Well, come back and talk to me after you have. Right. You know, we, we can be snobby about that stuff. But for a lot of people, especially the newer folks, you know, the people who are uh, kind of new in the Bigfoot world, who have perhaps only been doing it five or eight years or something, um, those people, you know, they came in with finding Bigfoot. And so their initiation into Bigfoot was television. So I can see how they would get most of their information from either documentaries or YouTube or something. But, you know, listen to, you know, Uncle Cliff and Aunt Bobo. I mean, go back to your library and read some books, man, because where do you think these people on TV get their information? If they're not getting it from books, then they're kind of worthless for for their medium, too. Go read books. Yeah, it's a combination of books and field experience. Yeah, yeah, that too. Absolutely. But one augments the other. You know, in fact, I would say that, you know, if you have only read books, but don't have field experience or vice versa. You only have field experience, but you haven't read the books. You're kind of like a one-sided coin. Yeah. Cause it won't, it won't register to try to get some candy or something out of a machine. What? A one-sided coin. You, you won't get any oh. candy out of the machine. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, wait, are you hungry? Is that where we're going with this? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Me too. But that was, that was really fun. I, I, people told me, Oh, you know what I'll say? Like the, the two things I heard, got all the feedback on was trivia. Then our, Q&A, the special edition Q&A with you, you and Jeff and myself. I thought that went great as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And of course, Mark didn't even really say what was going on. He just built it as a special event. And, and he sold some tickets. And then we had a pretty full room, not 100% packed, but pretty full room. But I think the people that took a chance and bought that that extra ticket had a really good time with this, where it's just you, me, and Dr. Meldrum on stage, and they're shooting questions, and we're interacting and laughing. And it kind of brought out all of our personalities because – I mean, you and I, we've been on TV. People know that we have personalities, but I don't think Jeff um, gets the appreciation that he perhaps uh, uh, deserves about how funny he is. And and obviously he's smart. He's a professor, but like how smart and quick and sarcastic and cool he is. He's hilarious. Like when people go, he's stuffy, he's a stuffy academic, he's too dry, he's too boring, or his delivery is not exciting. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like the guy is, he's engaging, he's hilarious. I love being around the guy, and, and uh, yeah, I think we all jive pretty well up there. Is that going to be a special feature on the YouTube channel for members or something? We filmed it. We filmed it, and I think that that would be excellent um, extra content um, for our membership area. Yeah, I think, I think people would be really happy with that because we answered a lot of questions, and it was in a really entertaining way. Like I, I was, because I didn't, I didn't even know what we were going to do when we. I got there right when it started. I had no idea what we were doing. I thought I thought we were doing a presentation on how to cast footprints or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mark didn't tell me anything. He just said, there's a special thing going on. And I hadn't slept because I didn't sleep the night before I flew out because I had to be at the airport. I had to leave my house like 4 a.m. And I was up till 3.15. And I was like, well, I can lay down for 45 minutes. So I just laid down, listened to the radio, got up, flew out there. Got in late that night because we went to go see George from Ohio down at that party house. And then um, I just, I was so wired, even though I was tired as hell, I didn't sleep hardly at all. I think I slept two hours that night at the most. And the next day, the next night I didn't sleep again. So then Saturday night I took, 
uh, sleeping pill. I got these new sleeping pills. I took that. When I got down there, I was still like zombie mode. But then when the lights went on and everyone was there, I snapped out of it pretty fast. Well, you know what, man? I'm not a doctor, but it seems to me that may not be the right prescription for you. Oh, no, I stopped. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to discourage you from going that direction um, with that particular prescription. I'll just go back to Benadryl. Yeah. Hey, have you ever tried melatonin? Yeah, yeah. It, that works sometimes, but it helps for sure. But when I really need to sack out, like, well, I mean, I sleep sometimes, but. Um, yeah, because, you know, melatonin is not a drug. It's actually uh, um, some sort of chemical your brain naturally makes. So it's just right. kind of you know, rebalancing things, you know, like when I get super stressed or I can't sleep or whatever, I might have a melatonin or whatever, but that kind of helps me, but it's also very subtle. It's kind of like drinking chamomile tea, right. you know, to, to relax. Like if you pay attention, you notice, oh yeah, it is relaxing. But if you're, you know, hyper strung up or whatever, then you're not going to notice anything, but well, yeah. So yeah, the sat Sunday afternoon was a lot of fun. Um, and of course, uh, that, that was like two hours of just, you know, us in a room with 75 people like, talking and heckling each other and having fun and talking about perspectives and everything. And then after that, you and I had a nice special treat after that. We drove out to, I don't even know where we drove, but we went out to meet Seth Breedlove, um, who was filming some scenes for his upcoming Momo movie. And he invited us to go out and play some parts in some recreations that he was doing. Uh, we both played uh, uh, sheriff deputies. I, I, I played a sheriff and you played my deputy and we gave us cowboy hats and we had Andy. lines and um, an angry mob behind us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we were Andy and Barney. I had one bullet in my pocket. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and I love the feeling of having an angry mob behind me. <laughs> I didn't that think I'd like it so funny. much. Seth, Small Town Monsters Productions. I mean, he's killing it. He's like the number one guy on Amazon Prime streaming for... Some of his movies, he's been number one that week out of like major motion picture houses. He's he's outsold them on certain weeks. His little tiny budget homemade movies. I mean, basically homemade movies. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of shows that any not 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 like anybody can do it. Like he has no skill, but like if you have the skill and you have the drive and you have the vision, you can do this. And Seth is is proof of that. Oh God, he's getting, he gets flown out to Hollywood now. They're courting him to do bigger projects. And he's, I'm sure he's going to do something bigger someday. But I mean, I know that a couple of uh, the Boggy, I think it was Boggy Creek or I can't remember which movie he did, but maybe it was Mothman. He did it for like 17 grand total, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the neat thing about this whole democratization of the internet. You know, it first hit the music uh, industry in the 90s where, you know, you download music and wait, wait, you can download music. Well, I'm in a band. I'm going to put out music on the internet and then anybody can download it and you have a worldwide reach. You didn't need those distribution companies any longer. And now it's it's going over to other areas, you know, like film and television and all this other stuff. Um, and actually, that's part of the reason Finding Bigfoot isn't on the air in a way, you know, yeah. because uh, we they kind of took the power away of these large corporations and put it in the hands of the consumers. Um, you can, you, the people can make these things, you know? Yeah. And just the di digitization of film and being able to edit on a laptop. I mean, that's, that's just, he, he could never have done that back in the old days when you had to have those big budgets, like for editing and film, like actual film. Yeah. Yeah. Actual film. That's a game changer. You know, the, the only thing I can really, the only experience, direct experience I've had with anything at all that would be analogous to that is that jump when we went from film to digital game cameras. Right. 
You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go develop the, this 24 role film and pay eight bucks for it and get a bunch of pictures that and find out that I had like wind triggers on it. You know, where like there's there's no animals at all and it's just you know a bunch of plants moving. I've never been a game counter because I think they scare them away, but also because my first forays into it were like, I'm spending all this money I don't have on this. Yeah, so Seth is killing it, and it was a really cool way to kind of end the weekend. You know, film a couple scenes and actually, you know, dust off our acting chops because we're not. I mean, I don't know about you, folks, but I'm not an actor. I think I'm not either, but I was good. I was, I was definitely doing better than Cliff. I had to, I talked like I was a Missouri '70s guy. You sound like you're from Oregon. Well, you know, um, I had a lot of lines. The pressure was on me, man. I had a lot of lines to say, and I only have so much RAM. I have a yeah. terrible memory. Uh, that would have been pretty intimidating. I'm glad I didn't have your role, dude, because I just had to say like two sentences at the most, but usually just like three or four words at a time. Yeah. You know, I think it, it's pretty obvious by watching any Finding Bigfoot that I'm not an actor, right? But at the, at the end of it, I was getting into it, man. I was enjoying it, kind of losing myself, especially with the fog machine and like. Oh, that was great. It, it was awesome, man. It was, and I, I'm holding this big shotgun, and of course, there's no bullet in it. Again, I shouldn't be trusted like that. But yeah, I'm holding this shotgun, and I'm yelling at the monster or whatever it is through the fog machine and everything. And there's lights, and it was cool. I really enjoyed that. It's a lot of fun. I cannot wait to see it on the screen. The only thing that kind of sucked was when I read the weather forecast where we went out there, it said like lows in the low 60s. And then it got what like it got really cold out there. And you and your scene, you didn't have a jacket, so you had to just wear a shirt. I uh, know. I, I got sick. I, I bet actually, it was I mean, I was freezing and I had a jacket on. Yeah, I got I actually caught a cold and it took me about four or five days to get over it. And I don't get sick very often. It's one of the blessings, I guess, of teaching elementary school for 14 years is that you catch everything there is. And then after that, you don't get sick. Right. Yeah. We stood around more on that film than we did on finding Bigfoot night investigations. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. But it it was it was really cold. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It was worth it. I I was really man. I was really like sincerely excited to be in one of Seth's movies because I love his movies. Yeah, yeah, they are great. They're the best things happening right now that I'm aware of as far as like Bigfoot documentaries go. Right. Or even beyond Bigfoot, really. Uh, um, you know, the Thunderbird stuff that he does and all that jazz. Has that come out yet? Yeah, yeah. They uh, they showed it um, at Lauren's conference. I haven't seen it. I got to look it up. Yeah, I'll watch it. I'll watch it the next couple of nights. Yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure where you can see it, but I know it's out there somewhere. I think all of those stuff's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get Seth on here, man. He'd be a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, he's probably too busy right now. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, because well, he's he's gonna try to air this at the uh, CryptidCon. Oh, that's right, that's right, CryptidCon, and that's in what, like, God, is that September? First week of September down in Kentucky, CryptidCon, which is honestly my favorite con of all of them. It is really cool. It's really cool. First of all, I mean, I love Kentucky in general. Jen and Lee, who put it on um, from Creepy People Management and all that stuff, the Nick Roth tour guys, uh, they do a great job putting together um, events like that. Oh, yeah, they're, they're awesome. So what's up with your bird? I keep hearing your bird in the background. He got new toys in his cage. We leave the door open. He can fly in and out whenever he wants. The he, front door or the cage door? The cage door. No, not the front door. He'd be dead. <laughs> uh, he, just, he's, he just loves to talk and sing to himself and peck himself in the mirror and she she got him a whole new jungle gym set up sitting on top of the cage. You can fly out and go up there and play on that now. And he's he's a pretty spoiled bird. Can you hear him? You can really hear him. Oh yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a squeaky wheel in the background, but I don't mind. And I don't think I don't think the listeners do. 
But um, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you listeners, but you can always uh, email us. Okay, I'll kill the bird. Yeah, we'll kill the bird, <laughs> and then um, I'll start getting into taxidermy. You know, I'm, I'll mount it somehow. Uh, all right. Well, I think there you go, man. So if, if we're talking about killing Bobo's pet parakeet and mounting it on my shoulders to walk around outside, perhaps we've done enough for this episode. And uh, we should just let the listeners enjoy some Bigfoot trivia for the second half of the podcast. Yeah, we've done enough damage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, but don't tune out yet, man, because you have another 30 or 40 minutes of Bigfoot trivia that was recorded live at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. Uh, and, and see if you know these questions, because uh, I think we did a good job picking some really hard questions. Now, of course, you don't win any money for getting them right, but you just have the, the, um, the bragging rights to gloat about how smart you are in Bigfoot land. Right on, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And if you have any questions, we've got Bo's Fab Five follow-ups. Write to us at BigfootAndBeyondPodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a question, go ahead and ask it, and we'll uh, answer it for any of the podcasts you've listened to. Before we go, I want to thank everybody. There's been such an overwhelming wave of love and support from you guys. Um, everybody's excited to hear Cliff and Bobo together again, even if you're not looking at us on TV or listening to us, and it gives you guys an opportunity to hang out with us and us with you. Uh, we want to thank all of you guys for subscribing and favoriting and commenting and doing all that sort of stuff and helping to spread the word. Keep up the good work. We love you guys. We really appreciate it. And you know, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you guys so much. Yeah, hit and subscribe and then sharing with your friends on social media really helps us a lot. We appreciate that. And I also want to thank Blue Mics for our headphones and microphones, the Yeti mic, actually. Yeah, the Yeti Pro is what we're using for the podcast, and it is great gear. So thank you guys so much. Yep, have a good one, everyone, and keep it squatchy till next time. This is going to define your worth as a human being, how you answer these. All right, I had to go through some logistics here. Are you ready for the first round? Ready or not, here it comes. Everybody has something to write with? Put that phone away over there. Yeah, we, if you, we see a phone, we're going to confiscate it, and um, Bobo gets to keep it and make all the calls he wants. And look at all your nude photos. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't know, um, this will be hopefully an episode on our podcast, Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. So you're going to be on the podcast if you're loud and obnoxious enough. And looking at you, I'm sure that's going to happen. All right, here we go. The first round, Bigfoot 101. Please write down the date on which the Patterson-Gimlin film was obtained. What was the date of the Patterson-Gimlin film? Okay. Question number two. Question number two. What was the name of the man that obtained the first known Bigfoot cast in 1958? What was the name of the man who obtained the first known Bigfoot cast in 1958? Here's a hint. He knew what to do. Well, that was Bobo singing. I'm not sure how much of a hint that was. <laughs> Trying to make it a little harder, so give me. <laughs> okay, question number three. In what country was Rene DeHinden born? Oh, 
I know, I know. In what country was Rene DeHinden born? Is hell a country? <laughs> Question number four. In which state was the pilot for Finding Bigfoot filmed? Question number five. Question number five. And please remember, this is the easy round. I hate you all. <laughs> In what national forest was the Skookum cast found? Question number six. Question number six. Who publishes the newsletter, The Bigfoot Times? It's bright yellow. Perhaps some of you are subscribers. Hint, he wears a three-piece suit to Bigfoot conferences. Question number seven. Who found the Patterson-Gimlin film site nine days after the filming and cast 10 consecutive footprints? What was the name of the man who found the Patterson-Gimlin film site nine days after filming and then cast 10 consecutive footprints in a row? What's that guy's name? Spelling doesn't matter, by the way, as long as we can figure it out. Meldrum, put your hand down. You don't get to answer this. <laughs> Question number eight. In what year was the Ape Canyon incident? In what year was the Ape Canyon incident? It's easy, right? It's totally easy. Number nine. Number nine. Finding Bigfoot visited five continents in search of Sasquatches or similar critters. What two did we not visit? Number 10. In what year was the BFRO founded? In what year was the BFRO founded? According to the front page of their website. Keep an eye out. It hasn't changed since about then, thinking about it, yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye out for people cheating on their phones, people, and rat them out if you see that. Yeah, Bobo needs phones. Look for cheaters. Okay, all the papers have been turned in. We're going to go over the answers right now while uh, our lovely and talented assistant, Emily, is correcting everything. Feel free to buy her a drink. Do you want a drink? Feel free to buy Emily a drink. She'd be greatly appreciated. Maybe she'll score papers in your favor, like any good teacher would. Number one, what was the Patterson-Gimlin film date? October 20th, 1967. Feeling good about yourself? More answers are coming. I'll destroy that. Number two, 
Who cast the first known Bigfoot footprint in 1958? Jerry Crew. It turns out he knew what to do. Number three, in what country was Rene de Hinden born? Switzerland. Ooh, I hear people turning. I don't think you're so neutral anymore. Number four, where was the pilot for Finding Bigfoot filmed? Alaska. Number five, in what national forest was the Skookum cast obtained? Gifford Pinchot. Number six, who publishes the Bigfoot Times? Daniel Perez. Oddly enough, he just texted me like 10 minutes ago, too, and I'm not kidding about that. It's weird. Number seven, who found the PG film site and cast 10 consecutive tracks nine days later? Bob, Bob Titmus. Oh, we're feeling good about ourselves again. Okay, when was the Ape Canyon incident? 1924. Oh, yeah, those guys. Number nine, Finding Bigfoot filmed on all five continents except... Africa and Antarctica. And number 10, last one. Oh, when was the BFRO founded? 1995. The next round, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to love this one because it's true and false. You have an excellent chance of getting at least five right. You feel free to close your eyes, write something down. You don't even have to listen to me to get five right if you do everything. But I'm going to challenge you now. Bobo is going to be your host. So please give it up for Bobo. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Round two, true, false. Number one, Roger and Bob drove to Bluff Creek in a VW bus. Because you know those guys were hippies. Okay, question number two. Bobo was born and raised in Humboldt County, California. All right. Okay, we're going to move on to question number three. The word Sasquatch was coined by a teacher in British Columbia. Question number four. The first known Sasquatch hand cast was taken in Washington State. True or false? All right. Question number five. Cliff and Bobo, whose celebrity power couple name is Biff Clobo, are starting a podcast. True or false? Question number six. All of the so-called four horsemen of Sasquatch are dead. True or false? Question number six. All of the so-called four horsemen of Sasquatch are dead. True or false? They're all dead to me. Sorry, that was, that was a bad joke. Question number seven. The original PG film currently resides with Patricia Patterson Rogers' widow. True or false? Or for you people around here, Witter. Did I stutter? <laughs> well, not actually. <laughs> Question number eight. In 1957, Albert Osman signed an affidavit swearing that his story about being abducted by Sasquatches was true. 
Question number nine. The Chinese Bigfoot is called Yeren. This translates to giant hairy man. Okay, question number 10, the final true false. Question 10. A guest on Finding Bigfoot is now a member of the House of Representatives. He's a U.S. congressman. True or false? All right, here's the answers. Roger and Bob drove to Bluff Creek in a Volkswagen Boss. False. Question two. Bubba was born and raised in Humboldt County, California. False. The word Sasquatch was coined by a teacher in British Columbia. True. The first known Sasquatch handcast was taken in Washington State. True. I would have missed that one. Biff Clobo are starting a podcast. True. All the so-called four horsemen of Sasquatch are dead, false, Peter Burns still alive. Number seven, the original PG film currently resides with Patricia Patterson, Roger's wife, false. In 1957, Albert Osman signed an affidavit swearing that his story about being abducted by Sasquatches was true. That is true. The Chinese Bigfoot is called the Ye Ren. This translates to giant hairy man, false. Wild man. Wild man. A guest on Finding Bigfoot is now a member of the House of Representatives. True. Tim Burchett. Tennessee. Round three. This is where it starts to get difficult. Question number one. In which county in California was the Patterson-Gimlin film obtained? Number two, in which state are the hairy man pictographs? Question number three is, which British Columbian town was John Green the mayor of? Dude, this is easier. John Green was a mayor of which British Columbian town? Question number four. Question number four. What was the name of the newsletter for the Western Bigfoot Society? Put on your skepticals for that one. <laughs> Put on your skepticals, right. Oh, Ray Crow, I miss him. Number five. Number five. What was the name of the man who is the original owner of the Minnesota Iceman. Number six. Question number six. Who funded Roger Patterson's expedition to Bluff Creek when he got the film? Number seven, an Ohio question. In what year did Don Keating accidentally film a Sasquatch in Coscachon County? Go, oh, Casocton County. Casocton County. Don Keating filmed a Sasquatch there, um, in Casocton County in what year? I tried, I tried. I don't have the Ohioan accent down. <laughs> number, number eight. Oh, what's the name of my new museum? Number nine, 
Name all four. You have to get all four to get this point, by the way. You have to name all four of these supposed four horsemen of Sasquatch. And the last question, before I review all the questions. What is the name of Bobo's dog? What is the name of Bobo's dog? Okay, question number one. What county was the Patterson-Gimlin film obtained in? Del Norte County. You might have put Humboldt down, but that's not correct. It's Del Norte County. Number two. In what state are the hairy man pictographs? California. Number three, what British Columbian town was John Green the mayor of? Harrison Hot Springs. Number four, what's the name of the newsletter for the Western Bigfoot Society? The Track Record. Number five, Abe, the man who owned the original Minnesota Iceman, Frank Hansen. Number six, who funded Roger Patterson's expedition to Bluff Creek? Al Diatli. Number seven, in what year did Don Keating film a Sasquatch? 1992. <laughs> Number eight, what's the name of my new museum? North American Bigfoot Center. Number nine, who are the four horsemen of Sasquatch? Renee DeHinden, John Green, Byrne and Krantz, Grover Krantz and Peter Byrne, sorry. And then the last one, what's the name of Bobo's dog? Monkey. The next round, Bobo will explain in just a few moments. I'm going to go drink a beer. Okay, you guys ready? Round number four. Here we go. You ready? Okay. In this round, I'm going to give you a book title. You write down the author's name. So we're going to give you a book title. So for all you non-readers, this is where you suffer. We're here to punish you. If you're illiterate, you're going to pay the price. We're here to punish you for illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> number one, Sasquatch, the apes among us. Book number two, The Wilderness Hunter. Book number three, The Bible. Just kidding. And number three is Sasquatch, Legend Meets Science. I'm sure you've seen that rag around. North America's great ape, the Sasquatch. Okay. Number five, Sasquatch apparitions. Number six, on the track of unknown animals. Okay. Number seven, when Roger met Patty. And by the way, you should all have read these books and or own them and read them. Nope. Number eight, Bigfoot of the Blues. Bigfoot of the Blues. Number nine, 
Abominable Snowmen, Legend Come to Life. And the final question, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Evidence. Number 10, the final question, the book, who wrote Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Evidence? He was a PhD. The last round, we'll call it the hate round, where we channel Mark the Worth spirits and focus it upon you to crush your spirits with, with uh, information. <laughs> you are nothing to me. <laughs> that was, it didn't turn out very well. All right, number one. Number one. I'm gunning for the Yams team. I want them to get zero points this time. We'll see what I can do about that. Number one, what was Roger Patterson's middle name? Number two, number two, what, does, what do the letters I-V-B-C stand for? I-V-B-C. That's a Bigfoot thing. What does it stand for? Number three, number three. In which country was Ivan Sanderson born? Where was Ivan Sanderson born? Which country? Number four. What was the name of the newspaper that ran the original 1958 Jerry Crew article? Number five, who wrote, performed, and sang songs for a Bigfoot world? Number six, number six, who funded the original Pacific Northwest expedition of the late 1950s and early 1960s? Bobo may or may not have said that in his presentation, by the way. Just like I may or may not be wearing the shirt that says the name of my museum on it. <laughs> Number seven. Who is the guy that relocated the Ape Canyon cabin in 2014, I think it was? What was the name of the guy who finally found the original location of the Ape Canyon cabin? He's awesome. He also owns an aquarium, and that's what. And he's a surveyor for a living. But what's the name of the guy that relocated the Ape Canyon cabin? Number eight. In what county in Ohio was the Ohio Howl recorded by Matt Moneymaker? In what Ohio county did Matt Moneymaker record the Ohio Howl? It's a very famous Bigfoot vocalization. <laughs> Question number nine. What year did Matt record the Ohio Howl? And the last question before I repeat them all. Number 10. In 1955, William Rowe observed a Sasquatch at close range on this mountain. 
I'm going to give you the answers to the book round while some people are up. The last few teams are bringing up their papers. Okay, here are the answers to the book round. The book round. Who wrote Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us? John Green. Who wrote The Wilderness Hunter? Teddy Roosevelt. Who wrote Sasquatch, Legend Meets Science? Jeff Meldrum. Who wrote North America's Great Ape, The Sasquatch? John Bendernagel. Who wrote Sasquatch Apparitions? Barbara Wasson. We'll take partial credit for Barbara Butler. <laughs> or Barbara de Hinden. <laughs> um, on the track of unknown animals, Bernard Hovelmans. Hovelmans. Somebody. When Roger met Patty, Bill Munns. Bigfoot. Bigfoot of the. Shut up, yams. <laughs> Bigfoot of the blues. Vance Orchard. <laughs> Abominable snowman legend come to life. Sanderson. Bigfoot Sasquatch evidence? Don't know. Oh, Dr. Grover Krantz. That's the second edition, by the way. The first edition was called Bigfoot Prince. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'll be right back with the scores and the answers here, okay? Right on. The answers to the last round are as follows. What is Roger Patterson's middle name? Clarence. Yeah. Cheaters. No, I'm just, I don't know. Maybe you didn't know that. I knew that for some reason. Oh, number two. What does IVBC stand for? Internet Virtual Bigfoot Community. Internet Virtual Bigfoot Conference. By the way, that's uh, the first listserv ever online about Bigfoot. That's real history. That eventually led to the BFRO, and Henry Franzoni was the guy behind that. Yeah, the guy on the drums in that one documentary in the snow. That's Henry Franzoni. He still has all those archived, by the way. And, like, everybody was on it. I was lurking on that board back in the mid-90s or late-90s sometime. It was amazing. So many names were on there. Number three, in what country was Ivan Sanderson born? I wrote Ivan Sanderson. But the actual answer is Scotland. Scotland. Number four, name the newspaper that ran the 1958 Jerry Crew article. Humble Times. Predecessor to High Times. <laughs> Apparently that was a predecessor to High Times. I didn't know that. But it is humble. Number five, who wrote, performed, and sang songs for a Bigfoot world? Yamamama Ding Dong, Tom Yamarone. Yeah, Tom Yamarone did. His team missed that, by the way. <laughs> Number six, who funded the Pacific Northwest expedition of the late 1950s and early 1960s? Tom Slick. That's right, Tom Slick, the cartoon character, funded it. Actually, it was Tom Slick, the oil tycoon that was, you know, the, the cartoon was named after. He was a real guy, Tom Slick. Number seven, who's the guy that found the Ape Canyon cabin site after all those years? Mark Marcel. Nope, Mark Marcel. Mark Marcel. You did, you did a good job, Bobo. Like, you missed that one. I honestly don't. Uh, Cliff gave me no forewarning of these questions. I was just getting them because I'm that good. <laughs> Number eight. 
in what county was the Ohio, Cal Ohio Howl recorded? Columbiana County. And number nine, that was in 1994. And number 10, in 1955, William Rowe observed a Sasquatch at close range on what mountain? Micah Mountain. Micah Mountain. Micah Mountain. I'll be back to rub your noses and your failure in just a few moments with the final scores. <laughs> we have winners and we have losers and we have Bobo to tell you which is which. You're mostly losers. Yep. If you weren't first, you were last. You should be ashamed. Okay. Is it Tremble? Tremble County Sasquatch, 33. Charlie's Angels, 33. Yamalama Ding Dong, 43. Then Crew Nuts or something? Crow Nuts? 24. That is just embarrassing. And then Team Squatchy, 31. It's not too bad. It's an F, though, 62%. Dirty Squatches, 20. You're going to summer school. And then, um, was that King Feet or oh, Big Feet? 22. Another. Don't cheer that. You're failures. Then the Dogmen, more failures, 26. Millers, Monsters, Jesus Christ. Fort frickin' team. Who is that team? Where's that team? Oh, shame, 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 shame. Nasbro, more shame, 20. That research organization sucks. All right, so the winner was Yam Lama Ding Dong with 43. That's 86% right. All right, Yams, come get your prize, buddy. You get to fish all the prize money out of Bobo's cleavage with your mouth. You thought I was kidding. This is Ohio Bigfoot after hours, man. This is what happens. <laughs> I want to thank Amy Weedhole and her husband, Bill, and my teammate, Gene the Man Romo. All right, Mean Gene and Yamalama, congratulations, our winners. Amy, hello. Hello. <laughs> we really appreciate all your support and participating in this uh, once of a lifetime and once in a lifetime event. Thank you very much from uh, Bigfoot and Beyond Trivia with Bobo and Cliff, or Cliff and Bobo, or Biff and Clobo, or whoever. All right, I don't know what you're all clapping for because you're mostly all losers, but have a good night, anyways. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. 
Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 